Mike Horton, it has been a treat to have you here this week teaching at RTS Washington. Uh, the class that you've been teaching is called Rediscovering the Spirit, and it, it, it kind of coincides, it comes along with a book that you've written on the same topic. So we wanted to start with that today. Why do we need to rediscover mm -hmm. the Spirit? Uh, well, first of all, uh, Scott and Tommy, it's a pleasure to be with you this week. Uh, just hanging out and getting, getting to know you guys better, but also um, having the opportunity to interact, engage with students who are really excited about this topic. Uh, I think Christians are interested in the Holy Spirit because we're Christians. It's interesting the Holy Spirit is the one who introduces us to Jesus, hmm. makes the introduction. Yeah. And so often we forget about the Holy Spirit because he's the one who introduces us to Jesus. And Jesus introduces us to the Father. Well, where did the Holy Spirit go? <laughs> and it's so important to come back to the Holy Spirit and ask ourselves, uh, okay, well, he's focusing on Christ. That's his job description. But what else does he do that helps us to understand how significant he is? And so you start pulling the thread and you start in Genesis 1-2 and you realize, wow, he shows up in the second verse of the Bible. But if you start at Pentecost, mm. you know, the Holy Spirit coming at Pentecost, man, you're like in the last episode <laughs> right. of the, mm -hmm. <laughs> you got to go back. Like series. Yeah, yeah. you got to go back to the beginning. Then when you do, you start to see that there are so many echoes of the Spirit's role in creation, Spirit's role in providence, the Spirit's role in the history of Israel, the Spirit's role in the incarnation, that even some of the same verbs are used, yeah. and the, the same surroundings, you know, uh, hovering over the, the oceans to make them fertile in Genesis 1-2, separating the waters so that dry land can appear in the Exodus, so that, that Pharaoh and his army can be destroyed, but his people can go safely through to, to be with the Lord. Or, you know, all the way to the spirit hovering and fluttering like a bird over its eggs. Uh, same um, verb um, that is, uh, is used for the spirit coming upon Mary's womb. Mm -hmm. Fluttering, hovering right. over the waters of an equally infertile expanse. A desert of water, as it were. So that what will be born of her is the Son of God. And is standing, hovering over Jesus at his baptism as he's standing in water. Yeah. And yeah. then, mm -hmm. you know, we're baptized and the Holy Spirit is hovering. The Holy Spirit is, is present. We tend to think of the Holy Spirit as the person of the Trinity who kind of doesn't like matter very much. <laughs> kind of stays right. away from yeah. physical, creaturely means. Spontaneous immediate, working directly. And yet we find throughout Scripture he works through means. He, he loves to work through creatures that he's made fertile. And, and so just to think about that, that oh, he's the one, so that's why he sanctifies me, mm -hmm. makes me fertile. That's why it's the call the fruit of the Spirit. And you mm. just sort of put the things together as you go along, and it's, it's like from Genesis to Revelation, he's the person in the Godhead who always brings all the players home. He's the one who finishes every project. 
Is that what you would say? So I'm thinking about, you're right, people usually talk about the spirit in terms of either effectual calling, right? I guess the, the regeneration, mm-hmm. introducing us to Jesus, as it were, and uh, you know, testifying to Christ in worship, you know, that form of sanctification. But there's a much broader picture about mm-hmm. who the spirit is throughout the whole of scripture. What, what would you say is the, is the kind of nutshell? What, what's the nutshell mm-hmm. role of the spirit uh, over the course of redemptive history? Yeah, perfecting. sanctifying sanctifying perfecting making holy uh you know the the father is the one who speaks the word the son never is the source of the word the spirit is never the source of the word the the father is the source of every work in the godhead because he is the source of the godhead all things proceed from the father because Even the Son and the Holy Spirit proceed from all eternity from the Father as equal to the Father in his essence, but distinct persons. So it's not surprising that all works of the Godhead, not just sanctification and regeneration, the application of redemption, but creation, providence, the whole history of Israel, the incarnation, everything. it, it's all done by the Father, in the Son, in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so what, it, what does the Holy Spirit do there? The Holy Spirit is the one who makes every word that the Father speaks in the Son mm. come to pass. Hmm. What a huge role. Mm-hmm. He inspires the prophets to prophesy it, and then he brings about within the world the amen mm-hmm. to that promise, even bringing about Jesus, <laughs> the incarnation, the amen, in whom all of God's promises are yes and amen. I mean, it's just amazing. Without the Holy Spirit, and then he illumines that same spirit, illumines our hearts to understand and embrace what he inspired through the prophets and the apostles, and to embrace the one he has whose incarnation he brought about. So he's the one in the Trinity who always completes the work of God. And this is not, you know, my language, this is the church fathers. Uh, Calvin likes to quote especially Basil uh, and the Cappadocian fathers um, that, that all things come from the Father through the mediation of the Son and are perfected or completed by the Holy Spirit. That's so helpful theologically. I'm kind of growing up in in good churches. Um, we didn't talk much about the spirit, right? Like practically speaking, it wasn't this huge. It wasn't the person that you pursued in the Christian life. When when the Holy Spirit came up, it was always, you know, not like they do it. Not like you know, it was always kind of avoid these mistakes when you're talking about the Holy Spirit. And so it just wasn't a big part of, like, my spirituality, ironically. How, how can Christians kind of reclaim what you're saying practically for them? Like, what mm-hmm. should be our relationship that we try to sustain mm-hmm. with the Holy Spirit? That's such an important point. I think you're right. It's like, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit in a lot of our circles is the most controversial person of the Trinity. Yeah, some people call him the shy person of the Trinity. Uh, he's actually the, the controversial <laughs> member of the That's Trinity. Right. And I think part of it, so here's what I would say to people. 
the Holy, stop thinking of the Holy Spirit as the, the one who makes things go bump in the night. Huh. Language like ghost, that many of us grew up with, Holy Ghost, kind of feeds into that. Spirit kind of feeds into that. Um, well, a father's spirit. God is spirit. So um, that doesn't distinguish the Holy Spirit. Um, don't think of the Holy Spirit. Don't associate the Holy Spirit with, with only the extraordinary, even with only the miraculous. Mm -hmm. um, the Holy Spirit is not more associated with fireworks than the Father or the Son. Mm -hmm. It's not like, okay, the Father and the Son are kind of humdrum, not to, you know, um, be sacrilegious. But the, the, I think a lot of people do think, I'm kind of bored with the Father and the Son. Okay, I got that. Yeah. But the Spirit is always kind of that that extra amp, you know. the If you really want to plug in and get, get some extra electricity... The Holy Spirit is the extra energy yeah. drink. Ener energy yeah. drink. Yeah. No, the Holy Spirit's the one who finishes what the Father said in the Son. Nothing the Holy Spirit does, or or is involved, is more interesting than what the, because they're all doing every work together. The, it's not the Father's the Creator, the Son's the Redeemer. The Spirit is the one who applies redemption. Is it the Father? I mean, that, in a sense, that's true. But the Father is the Creator in one sense. The Son is the Creator in another sense. The Spirit is the Creator in another sense. Yeah. In every work, the Father begins it. The Son is the mediator. In Him, all things hold together, Colossians. And the Spirit is the one who completes it, who makes it fertile, who, who makes the fruit grow. He's the one who brings it to completion. And that means, you know, he brings our sanctification to completion. That's ordinary. That's, you know, growth. There are two, I focus a, a lot on two types of speech act in Genesis 1. Let there be, and there was, and let the earth bring forth, and the earth brought forth. We tend to think the Holy Spirit is associated only with let there be, and there was, miracles. Hmm. If the Spirit did it, it must be a miracle. If there aren't miracles, you don't believe in the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Right? That's the way we kind of... Yep. But those... First of all, the Father's the one who spoke the miracle. And it was... It, it, it took the shape that it did because the Son was the mediator. Hmm. And moreover, the Holy Spirit is not only the one who makes effectual every word spoken by the Father in the Son, so it doesn't return to him void without accomplishing every purpose for which he sent it. But the Holy Spirit is as much involved in bringing to completion within creation the proper response to the, the word, let the earth bring forth, and the earth brought forth. So I think of it in terms of, in every work of God, you can think of that, that difference for example, when in inspiration, the, uh, thus says the Lord, or a vision. I mean, this is this is not the the prophet kind of fumbling around to figure out what to say. This is write this down. Yeah, that's equivalent to let there be and there was. Mm -hmm. 
But then you have Luke going around interviewing people. Mm-hmm. And he has no idea. He had no idea he was writing something that would be included in the Bible. I mean, he's just... Yeah. He's just going around. He wanted to do this for Theophilus. Oh. And, and, you know, the Holy Spirit preserved him from error, thought it was good enough to, <laughs> to yeah. put in a spiral notebook yeah. called the canon. Yeah. And it's, it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. Or you look at, uh, it just brought forth within Luke those abilities to go around and interview people and preserve him from error. Yeah. But then you think also of... Um, Regeneration and distinguish from sanctification. Mm-hmm. Let there be light. Paul says to the Corinthians that he's the same way he, he said, let there be light in creation. He has shown in your hearts to give you the uh, knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Through the gospel, he has, he, he, it's ex nihilo creation. Regeneration is making the dead alive. Mm-hmm. So it's a better work of God than the first creation. Because he's not just creating out of nothing, he's creating out of resistance. And let there be, and there was. This is effectual calling. But then let the earth bring forth, and the earth brought forth. In our sanctification, we really are bringing forth. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Produce the fruit of the Spirit. That's not let there be, and there was. That's let the earth bring forth, and the earth brought forth. And, by the way, don't quench the Spirit. You know, I can't resist the Holy Spirit when He regenerates me. Mm-hmm. I can resist the Holy Spirit in sanctification. Yeah. That's really helpful, I, I, especially kind of that twofold work. I, I haven't thought about it in that those terms, like the let there be, and then the, uh, the kind of ordinary growth and maturity that results from doing what God has called us to do. I, I wonder if that brings out, you know, in, in practical life and in the, the life of the church, just the the ordinariness of spiritual growth. The, yeah. the, the ordinary means of grace, the uh, suffering unto glory, you know, all of these things that are just going on mm-hmm. kind of normally <laughs> without our input. And what we need to be doing is prayerfully participating in all of those things as the as the Lord grows us up. Absolutely. The, the, spirit, the spirit works through means. So don't look for the Holy Spirit apart from those means. Don't think of the means as ordinary and boring. And the spirit is interesting over here. The spirit is the one working through those means. So be content with the means that God has provided because the Holy Spirit is powerfully working through them. Whether you feel it, recognize it whatever the you have the promise the holy spirit is working through those means he's working powerfully and don't always don't always expect that the holy spirit is at work in fireworks when when you you know when you really begin to appreciate the holy spirit's work in 90% of what he does 90% of what he does which is providence and sanctification and the let the earth bring forth stuff, you really begin to appreciate You see him in the birth of a baby, mm. not just in the healing of a brain bleed. You begin to see him in a little bit of <laughs> yeah. meekness that you didn't show. You're, you're, you, 
you weren't raised with that. It's a mm-hmm. it's odd to you, but you you're beginning to show just a, you just saw a little bit of meekness, and that's the Holy Spirit. Uh, just like to be that. able to see the yeah. Holy Spirit in the little it's, it's, it's the loving embrace. It's not that you prayed for a parking spot when you pulled into the, right. into Home Depot. Right. Okay, which is how I usually pray to the Spirit. Well, yeah, I mean, that's... <laughs> no, I love that. You've got to get yeah. that spot. You it's gotta, not that yeah. that's unimportant. It's, it's right. extraordinary. But <laughs> so this is, I mean, as an Old Testament professor, I find this really helpful too because we're always talking to students about how to, how to teach out of the scripture? How do you teach out of the Old Testament? And there's usually an impulse, a healthy one, right? To teach, I want, I want to proclaim Christ in the Old Testament. I want to find Christ and see how it's pointing and adumbrating Christ. But I like this this big, it's, it's a thick Trinitarianism, right? And, and I like this idea of a, of a thick pneumatology, uh, a broad understanding of the Spirit, mm. because you're right, you find the Spirit in those extraordinary events, and you find them in the ordinary events of yep. creation. And you're talking about Luke interviewing others, and there's a there's a story in um, in Jeremiah where you know, he and Baruch he sends Baruch with a scroll to the king, and Jehoiakim the king burns the scroll. It's got this really interesting little paragraph there where it says, and so they went back, and they remembered the words that they had written written on the earlier scroll. Then they added some other words to that scroll. And you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> Jeremiah, I thought you, were, thought you were having this vision or something. And he's like, no, nah, it's, it's very ordinary. And he and Baruch are sitting around scratching their heads trying to remember what was in the previous scroll, you know. And it's very ordinary. And uh-huh. finding and being able to teach a Trinitarian God out of the Old Testament, recognizing that. And I, I mean, I think you know, in several uh, operations have been very, very helpful in this way too, right? That you can, yeah. it, it's not... You don't have to um, kind of do hermeneutical gymnastics to try to find a Christological showing application. Yeah. yeah but well, and 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 make such an important point there that uh, you know we're not saying now let's let's do preaching the Spirit from all all the scriptures, start mm-hmm. with Genesis to Revelation. No. I, I mean that's I I think that's a great idea, but <laughs> bear in mind right. that. When you're finding the Holy Spirit in all the scriptures, he's always going to be preaching Christ. Yep. yep. So yep. don't look for the Holy Spirit as the content, the focus, the message from Genesis to Revelation. That's Jesus. Mm-hmm. Look for the Holy Spirit putting the spotlight on that from Genesis to Revelation. Yeah. You can have a much, I think, a much deeper read of the Old Testament. When you're yeah. aware of that, of the, of, of the Trinitarian God behind it, who's revealing mm-hmm. it, and your own life, yeah. God's yeah. role in your own life is not God in my life, per se. It is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I love John Owen um, talking talking about how Christians can have communion with each person of the Trinity. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have to be careful. We're not tritheists, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we believe that the you know the the Father uh, uh, the Son and the Holy Spirit proceed from the Father and are of the same essence as the Father, but they're distinct in what they do. The Father can never be the mediator. The Holy Spirit can never be the beginning of any work of God. Neither can Jesus. Um, 
The Father is always the beginning mm-hmm. of every work. The Son is always the mediator, and the Spirit is always the perfecter, because the Father is at work on the world. The Son is with us, and the Holy Spirit is within us. Mm. And I think when you compare Christianity to a religion like Islam, that's one of the areas where you really see the cleavage. You know, God, in Islam, um, God has to create the world before he can be loved. He has to have an other to love. But in, in Christianity, you know, that you have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit loving each other from all of eternity. Love is primordial. Love is eternal. God did not need to create a world in order to be love. He's been love from all of eternity. And to have that kind of that, that kind of sense, you know, that relationship, we can have a relationship with every person of the Godhead, although we pray to the Father, in the Son, by the Spirit. Every now and again, we should pray to the Son and the Holy Spirit just because just we can, yeah. just to prove to people I was going to ask yeah. you that. So, so how does this change the way we pray? Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. So because we can, yeah. we can pray Every now and again, we should. It's normal. But remember it's, that the Spirit's always pointing to Christ. That's right. It's proper for us to pray to the Father in the name of the Son, by the power of the Holy Spirit. But every now and again, you know, Ascension Day or whatever. Yeah, every now and again, pray to the Son. And on Pentecost, Are you affirming pray to the, the liturgical Spirit. calendar? I, you know, oh, okay. that's That's great. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's every uh, who with the Father and the Son together is worshiped yeah. and glorified. Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes we choke yeah. on that. You know, that was an addition to the Nicene Creed at the Con- Council of Constantinople. Interesting. They choked. <laughs> it's yeah. like you could imagine them saying, you know what? We left the hotel without even saying anything about the Holy Spirit in there. <laughs> and so they go and they say, well, okay, part two. We have to have yeah, another council. Let's get back council. together in a few decades. Yeah, another council yeah. just to fix this. We're always forgetting the Holy Spirit. And that, so that's been, um, that's been an issue in the church uh, since the beginning. Yeah. Um, as a historian, because you're, you're a systematic theologian, but you're also quite an accomplished and very historically minded theologian. Um, where is this coming from now? Where today, as we're talking about this tendency to see the spirit as the extraordinary, as the miraculous, as the as the direct, immediate mm-hmm. connection, the true, true, you mm-hmm. know, in terms of our relationship with God, is there a historical apart from the fact that this is just something we've been wrestling with for the last two thousand years? Is there are there more recent historical movements that have kind of encouraged this or, or led to this tendency? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think I'll just, you know, throw out a couple of ideas. I think one is that we you know, think ever since the second century, there has the Montanist controversy, a, a sect that was sort of the, the forerunner of the Pentecostal movement, you might say, throughout church history. Uh, ever since then, there has been a, a, a kind of a war, if you will, between the institutional church mm. and uh, the the charismatic monks or nuns or people who went out and you know the mystics. Uh, that kind of tension 
we've seen throughout church history, and we sure see it aplenty today. Yeah. So some on the on one hand who say, we don't need the Holy Spirit, we have the church. <laughs> or people on the other hand who say, we don't need the church, we have the Holy Spirit. You see, you see that tendency throughout. But what I think one, one thing, Scott, that we see a lot of today that makes me, uh, you know, think this is one reason is because we really don't know what to do with the Spirit if we don't think that every other day miracles are falling from the sky. Mm -hmm. If we're not, quote-unquote, one of those people, what do we do with the Holy Spirit? He belongs to those people. Jesus belongs to us. Father belongs to us. But they can have the Holy... I mean, really, there is that kind of... uh, uh, tendency sometimes i think a big correction here is do you see the holy spirit in providence do you see the holy spirit not just in miracle but in creation and Mm -hmm. providence not just in regeneration but in sanctification do you see the holy spirit empowering bazalel to make beautiful artifacts for the temple Mm -hmm. because it says the holy spirit came upon him Mm -hmm so that he could produce all these things. Um, Do you see the Holy Spirit coming upon pagans so they can produce good art by his common grace? As Calvin says, uh, if you you disparage these things, then you are disparaging the Holy Spirit who gave them these gifts. That's common grace. It's not saving grace. It's common grace. do you see the Holy Spirit in all of these places, common grace, creation, providence, or is he, does he only show up when he regenerates, yeah. only show up when, he, when people are speaking in tongues or healing and so forth? Um, that's the big one. And I think until, until we appreciate the ordinary stuff like providence and stop having to raise it to the level of a miracle in order to get the bang for our buck, we're really going to have a problem with seeing the Holy Spirit in our normal, everyday life. When people say, you know, um, um, you're, you're at the hospital with a parishioner and say, I, uh, can you believe this? Mom's holding the baby and says, it's a miracle, the miracle of childbirth. That's not a good time to correct theology, <laughs> but... Unless you want to be that guy. Unless really, you want to be that guy. And, yeah. And you don't. You really, really don't. Uh, it, it can hurt. It can hurt. Um, it's not a miracle, though. We, we know it's not a miracle. And you know what? It's great that it's not a miracle. It is one of the gazillion amazing, astonishing examples of God's everyday providence. That makes this world studded with wonderful things, mm-hmm. glittering with wonderful things. You don't have to wait for a miracle. Praise God when he does bring miracles. You don't have to wait for a miracle to see magic dust everywhere mm-hmm. because that's the Holy Spirit just making everything fruitful. That's wonderful. That is so helpful for us in the church as we seek to worship God more fully and be aware of his wonderful works as we pray with the old doxology praise God from whom all blessings flow and you're right it does it makes it makes I like I love how you said that it makes the word the world glisten 
and sparkle with his providence. What a gift. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Dr. Horton, for being with us this week. Great to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you.